Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, welcome to the Players Lounge podcast. I'm Aintee Langobini and I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to touch upon the World Test Championship final. I mean, it's the World Cup of Test Cricket. Who wouldn't be excited about that? But also really excited because the guest in the house today literally lives in my house. Yes, that's right. My husband, former India cricketer Stuart Binney, is going to be joining us on the podcast. And in fact, uh, both of us are going to be um, in the hot seat for this episode because uh, the king of the dance floor, the king of Indian wickets in 2012, the king in his household... You'll have to ask his missus, actually. But Graham Swan is going to do all the hard work and put us on the spot. So while Stu and I are really excited to share some of his stories with you, I've got to put out a disclaimer here because uh, the youngest member of our household also happens to be the bossiest member of our household. Our young 10-month-old baby, uh, our son Terence, is the one who literally calls the shots. Yep, we realize that pretty soon. So listeners, you will be hearing him in this podcast because, well, he wants to be heard. And uh, uh, whatever the baby demands, the baby gets. So bear with us and hopefully Terence will hear some stories about his dad. All right, Swanee, fire away. Well, I tell you what, today I'm not just joining us, but I'm taking over your job, my auntie. I hope you don't mind that. It's the only way this can work. I feel like either a marriage guidance counsellor or a famous TV interviewer. I don't know what, but I've got the Binny family sat in front of me. Terence is back, and I love Terence. It's only our regular listeners will know that Terence makes cameos in our appearances, and he is brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> and our sound engineers work cut out to keep him, to, to mute him, basically. I hope they don't today because he's a vitally important part of this. So what I'm going to do, I'm basically going to take over because there's some big things. And first and foremost, <clears throat> I'm going to let us slip a bit, of a, a bit of a secret on. When we normally get guests on, I mean, my auntie does a lot of homework, don't you? You, you? you delve into the past of these players, you look up stuff, you ask for anecdotes from other players. We didn't need to do that this week because my auntie has all the gossip, all the stories, and I'm so <laughs> excited for that. And first, I'm going to say this because the very first message that came in, so look, we're going to do Stuart, this is brilliant, everyone's excited. The first little secret that came from the Indian dressing room was the fact that Stuart made his test debut at Trent Bridge, which is half a mile down the road from where I'm sat right now, the home of Stuart Broad. Of course, Stuart Broad, Stuart Binney, have the same initials. And everyone thinks that, you know, the ground should be famous for Stuart Broad's home ground. But no, 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 within the Indian dressing room, it's Stuart Binney's home ground because he made his test debut there. Is this true, Stuart? 
Hi, Sony. It's it's amazing the story. I mean, um, I didn't know that that um, he actually belonged to that ground until I walked into bat, and 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 uh, the English players let me know straight away that you know I was in his home turf. Uh, because at that time, uh, with my bat sponsor as well, I had SB84 on, on, that, on the bat. And, uh, and then um, Matthew Pryor said, you know, you know whose ground you're on right now? So I said, I had no idea. What are you saying? And then he said, you know, you're walking into, into Stuart Broad's turf. So, yeah, it was a funny story and a lot of great memories in that ground. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that there's good memories. I'm not surprised at all to hear that Matt Pryor was the one straight away because he's Stuart Broad's best mate. And he sticks up for him like proper teammates and best mates do. But Mianti, I mean, you gave us some juicy gossip, obviously. But one of the things you sent, one of the things you sent through, which came through today, was that today of all days, and very well done for whoever organised this, is the seven-year anniversary of a certain best ever ODI figures of six for wait, four. Wait, 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 before you say it. Mianti's gone running away. Where is she? She's coming back. I think she's got... She has, ladies and gentlemen, the ball. The <laughs> Kookaburra white ball used. As Stuart Minnie took the best ever ODI figures, six for four, against Bangladesh. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to let Stuart talk us through it because the first two wickets, let's face it, they're lucky ones. Those who haven't seen, down the leg side, he's got <laughs> lucky with a, with a couple early doors. Looseners from a seamer. But the next four are absolute belters. That must be so good, thinking back to that day seven years ago, Stu. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was only my third game, you know, uh, for my country at that time. I was really nervous because I hadn't played three in a row as yet. And I got that opportunity up in the second ODI. Uh, and hence, obviously, you can tell the ball is still brand new. So we didn't hold that much on that surface. Uh, we just uh, kind of, we batted poorly um, at the start of that game and didn't have too many runs in, you know. In the bank, and uh, when we went in into that into that break, it wasn't even a lunch break because we were all out in like an hour and a half. So we we just spoke about about bowling good lengths and good test lengths, you know, because the pitch had something in it, and there was a bit of rain around. So we came on and off again a couple of times, and um, obviously it, it spiced in the wicket a bit. Uh, there was a bit of kick, you know, just a bit of a movement and it suited my bowling, to be honest, on that day. Uh, if uh, I would have never thought in my life that I would even get two wickets in Dhaka, you know, the, the, how flat the wickets are there. But just something something happened that day and, and the wickets really, you know, had some juice in it. And as you said, the first two wickets were were... were were poor. <laughs> I mean, I tried to get the ball in the right areas. I was just trying to get my line and length going. But uh, I think once I found out that, you know, that conditions were helping me a bit, I went back to how I bowled back in Ranji Trophy and back in India, uh, where my job was just to just bowl tight lines and lengths and try and not give anything away to, to batsmen. And that's what I just went out and did that day. And Mayanti, do you remember where you were on that day when these wickets were taking place? Yeah, we, we were hosting. We, the network I was working with had the rights to that match. So I was there in studio. And um, I think actually I'd, I'd finished for the day because I wasn't doing the post show. We were doing like the wraparound the next day. And um, that was also his, he hadn't taken wickets before. 
Yeah, that so was that just was, the third game. Yes, that was not so. only his maiden ODI wicket, it ended up being his maiden five wicket haul. So it was just all these numbers and these stats and these figures were being thrown at us. And at that time, of course, we know well in advance because his broadcasters, they tell you that this is about to break Anil Kumble's record. Because Stuart had absolutely no clue when he happily walked out for the presentation. He's just thinking, wow, I got my first wicket. Yes, it ended up being six. You know, this is really cool. And they're like, Stuart, by the way, do you know that you've done this? You know, it's a... It, it, it's Anil Kumbre's record so it was uh, I, and I had to downplay it Sony I had to act like really normal like it wasn't my husband who just did this I'm like oh you know that was good bowling from Stuart Binney <laughs> you know I had to completely well that's what I was going to ask you next this is what I was going to ask you and I know a lot of people especially those in the know in India on broadcast because I did mm-hmm. the first time I met you and I worked with you. I know who you are and I know who your husband is. And I'm always thinking, what must that be like actually talking, trying to talk down? Because you must be there absolutely buzzing. Six for four and you're thinking, this is brilliant. You want to be punching the air and jumping up and down. But as the uber professional presenter that you are, you have to like, it's just another, it's just another bloke out there taking those wickets. Good old India. The team results, the important thing. When we all know that that's rubbish. How hard is that for you to do? It's hard because it's so um, Stuart is way more romantic than I am. Okay, and if he when he got his fifth, he actually kissed his wedding ring. Terence agrees. I know. <laughs> he kissed the wedding ring. Okay, and that was like a subtle little message to me. And I didn't get it. Like other people had, like, oh my, he's done that kiss for you. I'm like, wait, let me see it again. Like, look at that. He's kissed that. And you know, Stu's like, babe, babe, did you see that celebration was for you? And I was like, she had no idea. I had to. We had to watch the highlights (laughs) for her to get to know. I did it. So everyone else really makes you aware. Well, I'm not surprised to hear that. (laughs) All men are the same. I mean, Stuart, I'm with you on that. The first time my wife ever watched me play, I think I've told you before. I got 60-odd and five wickets, and she thought I was Samit Patel when I left the field. She couldn't tell which one I was. He's Indian, a foot shorter than me, and fat as a house, and she thought that I was him. So it's, it's typical. We make all these big gestures and get nothing in return, Stuart. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, well, it was, it was... I think it was hard to downplay it that day. It, it is, it's a little hard. Like, someone you've done it to me in studios as well, because obviously you're a big Rajasthan Royal fan, and, you know, when he's done well for RR, he's just about done anything. It's... Uh, I think now I'm a lot better at it, you know, but uh, initially I was, I'd be very embarrassed and I wouldn't know how to, and that was in 2014, that's seven years ago, I had no idea how to deal with it and uh, it was, I would just be embarrassed, which is so silly now when you think about it in retrospect, because it's, I mean, this is lying in our showcase, it's, you know, something that he's going to learn up, our son's going to learn up and hear about, it's something to be so incredibly proud of. Every day this day comes around, the entire cricketing fraternity reminds you of the day, because he didn't know the date, by the way, Swanee. I had to tell him like a week ago, you know that the 17th is coming up. He's like, what's on the 17th? Well, that's cool. I mean, that's fine that you know the date. <laughs> Women are good at remembering dates. I don't remember my own kids' birthdays or my wife's and when and birthdays. That's fine. But with the romantic ones, remember that. <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. So you, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, Manti, because Rajasthan Royals, I'm an unashamed, huge Rajasthan Royals fan. It's fair to say that the majority of the IPL career, Stuart, that you've had has been with the Royals. Um, can you tell us some, some of your favourite memories of playing for Rajasthan or, or some of the times you thought, this is it, this is the year we're going to win this IPL? Obviously, I have a lot of fond memories with them. Um, 
from the time I, I did I did play a season with Mumbai Indians before I went to to the Rajasthan Royals, but I just got what that one opportunity um, in for the Mumbai Indians, and then uh, obviously got picked to go to the Rajasthan Royals uh, mainly because of Rahul Dravid. He was he was someone who saw me grow up in Bangalore and played a lot of club cricket uh, for the same club, and obviously he he thought you know I'd fit in nicely into that setup. Uh, which, which is a setup again, Sony, which is which is very opening to guys coming in. You know, they let you be yourself. Um, there aren't uh, too many restrictions with you know how you got to play your game or what you how you want to express yourself as a cricketer. Uh, when I went in, Shane Warne was captain, so he, he straight away uh, made us feel that we needed to express ourselves, right? And uh, you know, not hold back anything. Like he never held back anything at all, literally. So, <laughs> so he kind of. Um, Kind of pushed us in that direction as as young kids, 25 year old. Uh, really didn't know didn't know what the big league was about, but uh, just to go out and express uh, your 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 potential, I guess. And I think that's what uh, that's why Rajasthan Royals is very special to a lot of the young guys who've come in. They've really gone on to make make it big or or be successful in 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 the IPL. So uh, memories is 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 all over the place. I played with a great bunch from Sean Tate to Warney to Dravid to to some of to Watsons yeah. to you know I've had I've had a journey and which which I, I don't think I'll ever forget in my life. To most recently playing with Ben Stokes. Yeah, and with the Ben like and, and obviously me being an all rounder coming yeah. in with Shane Watson at that time, which was one of the biggest names in the yeah. game, you know, when it comes to an all rounder. So obviously I could learn so much off them. And then when when he went away, uh, Ben Stokes came in, and you know, uh, it's been it's been it's been a really special journey. <laughs> Is there ever a part of you that loves the fact, because we ask this to all our guests, and, and everyone always gives a very diplomatic answer, but I love asking this. And David Malam was a big one for this when he spoke about A.B. de Villiers, who he was almost in awe of. He couldn't believe that he was there next to his hero as a kid. And I was the same when I first got in the England team. I was sat opposite my captain, Alex Stewart, people who I had the posters on the wall. You just said there that Shane Warne was there at Rajasthan when you walked into that dressing room. Was there ever a part of you that just had to pinch yourself going, I'm actually talking, I'm now mates, I'm in the net with the greatest bowler of all time? Actually, I felt that straight away when, when I walked. You know, he's got that, that personality about him. You know, he, I, always, I always watched him on TV as a kid, but I never knew how to talk to him, you know. So when I went and had a chat with him, I couldn't believe that actually I was you know, talking face to face to him and about cricket as well and not only about cricket he asked me what I liked whether I went to the bar you know stuff like that so and I was like no damn I can't believe I'm actually sitting here and then I had to play him in the nets and you know it took me like even though he tossed a few up I just had the respect where I said you know listen I'm not going to take him on this first six balls I'm just going to play it on the ground because I couldn't believe he was actually bowling at me that time see that's amazing a lot of people will be amazed to hear that that you know, when you go into the nets, you're trying to impress him first and foremost, aren't you? Show how good a player you are. But there's yeah. still that bit inside you saying that this is Shane Warne. I have to respect him. I don't want to come across as arrogant or full of, you know, lack of what's the word respect for him. And so I'm going to actually be sensible and block him. That's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it just took me like at least ten balls to kind of, you know, start to breathe easy and you know, try and hit the ball hard. At least I was just looking to cut him and fine sweep him and stuff like that. I didn't even want to use my feet to him because I'd seen all the videos of him bowling and I was just afraid to even step out. Just to add on to that, the experience when you talk about youngsters in a dressing room when you meet your heroes or you meet like these iconic players. I, I remember one incident where like 
West, he got a dressing down from Warney. And it was not the way that we give dressing downs in India. And it, it in a way kind of shook him to the core. And I think that was one of the few seasons or moments that kind of transformed Stuart as a player because it kind of got him ready to, you know, the international arena is going to be rough. And I saw a mental switch in Stuart after that. So experiencing or, you know, uh, being talked to in a certain manner, I think from players like Shane Warne, who've just done just about everything, really made Stu grow up very fast. And that's one of the, like mentally grow up really fast and say, okay, you know, international cricket's going to be rough, it's going to be tough, it's going to be dirty at times. And I, I saw that switch in him. Well, I, I think that that's one of the main reasons the IPL has made India a better cricket team because I always find that whenever I'm in India, the difference between England and India is a politeness. In India, people beat around the bush a lot and they say nice things. And even if, if you know there's an air of someone's not happy, but it won't be very direct. In an English change room, or especially an Australian change room, it's in no uncertain terms. You get it ripped out of you, don't you? And that's what that sounds. So it makes people grow up, a, 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 from a sporting point of view, I think, makes them sort of take ownership. And I think India have gone from strength to strength because of little things like that that have been added to how good their cricketers were. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Stuart. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that I had, you know, played that badly where I lost a match or something. I misfeel it a couple of times and, and, you know, he could see it on my face that I was under the pump. And uh, in between overs, he walked past me and he said something to me which actually made me worse, you know. And then the next ball got hit again to me and then I misfeel it again. And, uh, and I happened to pick up the ball after that and try, you know, threw it at the stumps and he was not backing up at that point where he should have been backing up actually but was having a go at me. So it made things worse and everyone was, it was all chaos and then Raul Raul like, you know, don't worry, it's fine and I just walked away, you know. <laughs> and then, but after the game I realised how, how crucial those moments are in a game that I had to be switched on, you know, because I was still playing my probably fifth match for in the IPL and, and you know when you're playing in, in front of big crowds and you're not really used to it, you're not mentally switched on, your 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 mental state is all over the place, you know, crowds and who's there and you know, looking I was I was looking at what Watson, how he was walking, you know, stuff like that till he said, you know, listen, I need you to be switched on. If you can't please leave, you know. So then from then I knew onwards that I had a job to do for that ninety minutes out there. I bet he didn't say, if you can't switch on, please leave, in those lovely <laughs> words. I can guarantee no. he didn't say no. <laughs> Not even close to that. <laughs> but again, you mentioned something there, and that's something for me. Because a lot of little boys and girls, when they're grown up, will watch these games of cricket. And I know I do it. I still do it now. I look at players in the outfield and think, what must be going through their mind right now? When there's a huge crowd, there's a pressure moment. And as an all-rounder, I'm sure you're exactly the same as me, you would much rather have the bat in your hand or the ball in your hand, bowling or batting, than fielding. Because for me, fielding was undoubtedly the, the worst part of my game. It was OK in a test match if I could stand it slip, but if I'm on the boundary and there's four to win or whatever, and I'm thinking, please don't hit that ball at me. Hit it to one of the big guys, one of the quick guys. Don't show me up. And you, like you say, you're looking at, there's, there's a film star, there's a Bollywood star behind you. Your wife is over there with a the microphone staring at you saying, don't you mess up, don't you dare. <laughs> I mean, that pressure when you're in the field and your mind does wander, doesn't it? And you think of some crazy things. For sure. I think this, I've been to that, that position, I think, a thousand times in the cricket ground. Wait, and I always, I always thought to myself, you know, why me? Why, why do only I feel like this? <laughs> but I found out a lot of guys feel the same. You just don't want 
to make a mistake, I guess. But Sony, I mean, you've played so much, you know that the minute you start thinking like that, that's when the mistake happens. Exactly. So, yeah, just, the minute you don't want the ball to come to you, it will come straight towards you. Yeah. And that's what happened when I was with Shane One and in that, that instant that happened. It, it's because I didn't want the ball to come to me because I knew I was under so much pressure and he was going to have a spray again. You know, he was he was fuming because the game wasn't going our way at all. And, and then the overthrows and I misfielded two extra runs. And, and I was praying the ball didn't come to me, but it did. And then I threw again and then he's like, what are you <laughs> here for? <laughs> And my auntie, when 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 does the 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 switch off view between presenter and wife or confidant come into play? Because obviously, you say something like that happens, and you can see it happening in the game, and you know you just want to support your husband. You want to get out and give him a big hug, probably at the time, or and, and you know. But you have to do your program. You finish. Is it immediately you walk out of the studio? Does the phone come out and the text message, or do you phone up, talk on the way home, or is it everything has to wait till you get home? leave the game behind and then uh, break into being sort of less professional? Well, How does like, it work? So Stu's, not, um, Stu's always talked about his games with me. He's not the kind of guy who says, I don't want to talk about it. I, I, I think he enjoys, and I wouldn't say he's really venting because he is someone who's able to let things go because you're going to have more rough days than good ones, right? And he, he lets go of things very easily. And I know that about him. So let, let's say if he drops a catch or if he gets out, I don't think I take it as personally or as bad because I also understand that this is just a cricket game and things moments like this are going to happen. So I myself don't react like a lot of other people do. And of course, you know, if he gets out or something like that happens, everyone just looks at me and, you know, waits to see what reaction is she going to do. And I... I keep it covered and only make a reaction Swanee because you're going to have another chance or another attempt and like Stu said he's an all-rounder so he can always get a chance to you know two, for him both innings matter there's always a chance if he doesn't do well with the bat he'll do well with the ball if he doesn't do well with the ball he has a chance to make it up with the bat so I know that about him and if I took a tremendous amount of pressure about his game or his results or his good results or his bad results then he's not doing his job and I'm not doing my job you know we both have to do what we have to do it's not like you guys let me forget about it though (laughs) I was just about to say this 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 I was about to say, this is where it's going to get really awkward, potentially. Because I was going to say, Stuart, do you ever sit down and say, look, today you gave a pretty decent opening, but you, you fumbled a couple of words here or there. You didn't introduce uh, that player very well. Do, do you ever dare to do, the, do never, the opposite role? I've never once done it. I've got so much, so much going on in my head. Hang on, and hang you have on, to play cricket. On. You really don't have time for that because Swanee, I can't make a mistake out there. Swanee, he doesn't watch our shows because we'll be on air just before he's getting ready for a show, right? So he did, Look, he's you, on the field. He doesn't watch our shows. He, did, he you doesn't like see, You can't see you, you can yourself see, on but TV, you but share. everyone puts it on mute because yeah. you're going to be saying something about me. At least. Yeah, so I don't that's want to Yeah. Well, this is it. I've been in India and I know full well, even if he doesn't watch your show live, at some point, there's going to be a hotel room because cricket is, for those, for those listeners who are not in India, who've never been, never had the pleasure of being in a hotel, there is non-stop cricket on TV. Imagine in England how much football there is or how much talk about the weather there is. That is cricket times 10 in India. There are times, Stuart, I guarantee, where you've sat there, maybe with one of your teammates in the room, and you can't help but hear your wife talking about you on TV. That must be slightly surreal still. 
Yeah, it's happened a lot of times. Especially after games, uh, sometimes you come back and you want to have, you want to watch the highlights. Maybe you've got hit a few good sixes or something like that. But then you've got to watch the whole show, right? And you've got to sit and wait till you come on to bat. Because I used to bat so late, I only got five balls in the game. <laughs> so I've got to watch from first show to what they said. Or some of them say, no, I can't believe he's actually playing in the 11 this game and blah, blah. And you know, it's just, it's just something that I... When we met, we kind of grew into, uh, we just got so used to us uh, having to be apart uh, at long stretches or working or seeing each other on television. That's, that's sometimes we were apart for like months together where the only joy was to watch her on TV, you know, when I came back from a game because that's how much I missed her at that time. And nobody else got to do that, so you were the lucky one. <laughs> yes. In a way, yeah. yeah. But it's, I gotta say, Sony, we've, we've, there've been some moments that have been so special that I feel not many people get to have. I mean, uh, I waited a long time to host IPL and when I did, you know, he was still playing in IPL. He's played 10 years of IPL. So I think I've waited about five or six years uh, to finally host it. And, you know, uh, so the first time I did, he was part of that season, which was great. And Rajasthan Royals finished fourth that season. You guys had a really good season. Uh, 2015 World Cup to be in Australia and, you know, together when he was part of the squad. Um, I think he, when he played his first test match in India, it was in Bangalore here, which is his home ground. And I was hosting that match. So when you think back on You'll take all the things that have been rough or difficult because there are very few people in the world who get to do something like this. And these will be memories that both of us will cherish for a really long time because we actually got to share it. We were in the peak of our careers and we got to share that moment. And not many people get a chance to do that. Yeah, now another thing, that's brilliant, by the way. I, I love that. It's, it's gorgeous. I wish my wife was here too so I could show her what she's missed out on by not following me closely enough. But... um. <laughs> one of the other things that you let us know about, and I've always wondered this, because there's one thing in India that I've always treaded very carefully around, and that is the issue of nicknames. Because in England, and in Australia especially, nicknames can be fairly brutal, or seemingly fairly brutal, even when they're not meant to be. And I know that there's one for, for Stuart Binney that was known as Rubbish Binney that may have touched a raw nerve at some point. Is this, tr is this a true story? <laughs> <laughs> it is a true story. I mean, um, see, because I was I was always called Stu in the dressing rooms in India and and all over the place. But uh, in Adelaide, when we were playing the warm up game against Australia uh, for the World Cup, I had this bunch of guys sitting behind me who kept going rubbish, rubbish. So I just didn't strike me about why they were saying it. So I went and had a chat with with our local manager who was helping us around uh, the Aussie guy, and then he said, "Oh, you know, when your dad came over in in the eighties as well, you know." They used to call him rubbish as well. So I so I so I blamed on my dad basically. He was in he was rubbish at the time, I guess. That's why he he was called <laughs> rubbish Pinny at that time. But I mean it did it did hurt me a little bit, obviously in the first couple of times when you called it, but then you just go along with it, Sonny. I mean, yeah, uh, it, it happens It happens in England, it happened in Australia. So even when I went over to play club cricket in England a few years ago, I, I was uh, I was named uh, rubbish there as well. So it's just, yeah. I've got well, it all it comes now. down to, so we'll have listeners who won't be aware of this, but there were these tapes called the 12th Man Tapes. And this is where it all comes from. And this was an Australian comedian called Billy Birmingham who basically did a Mickey take of the Australian commentary team of Richie Benno, Bill Laurie, Tony Gregg. And he also did, which now would not go down well, very politically incorrect, but he would take the Mickey out of all the Indian players' names because that was what he could do. And, and so 
<laughs> Binny became Rubbish Binny and the whole joke was Rubbish Binny was left out by the selectors last night and no one remembered to bring him back in this morning so he didn't play and it all comes from that and I just remember when my auntie mentioned that the other day I just thought that is amazing that I was a kid I grew up listening to that commentary and laughing away not knowing why it was funny other than it was like a rubbish bin so I apologise for my Australian cousins for that because because to be honest, as, as English, we feel, we feel guilty about everything that Australians do. Because, you know, hundreds of years ago when their granddads were stealing biscuits, we sent them off to that paradise on the other side of the world to teach them a good lesson. And we didn't teach them a very good lesson because all they did was become better at cricket than we were. So my apologies to anyone offended by that. But that's it. Now, it's not just T20 that you've played. You've played the full gamut. You've played Test cricket. You've played ODIs. What is your favourite form of the game? I'm going to get a bit serious about cricket because obviously my hands are up for test matches. How about you? Uh, I believe test matches too. I think it's, it, it brings out a special person in you. It brings out a character. It brings out your, 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 your skill levels are you know, a lot higher. Uh, you don't sleep through well. That You don't sleep well through those five days at all. In T20, if it's over, you've got to play again in the next day. So I, I would definitely say test cricket is, is my number one. that brings us on to beautifully the fact that India are currently or arguably the best test nation in the world and they all haven't always been that way even though they've always had probably the best batting lineup on paper in the world but the bowling was never quite as 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 high class but it really is these days so Indian test cricket's coming along um, beautifully in the last 10 years yeah I think also we owe it to to the change in our system back in domestic cricket you know because uh, five, seven, eight years ago, the wickets that we played on hardly gave us anything to bowl at. Uh, we probably bowled one spell of five overs up front and then came back after lunch 
you know, just for another spell of three overs and waited for the spinners to do their work. And maybe if there was a bit of reverse swing and the pitch was that dry, we came into the game again. But the system kind of changed where we were, uh, it was mandatory to leave uh, 5mm grass on all our wickets in first class cricket. And um, obviously that helped, you know, that gave hope again to fast bowlers to come out and, and, and develop their skills again. It wasn't that you just came and bowled one or two spells and then the guys got a lot fitter because they, their workloads were a lot higher. So, I mean, yeah, obviously our batting has always been good and that also helped our batting if you looked at it. Uh, some of the guys coming in now can play pace and bounce uh, reasonably well and they're more comfortable playing that than spin because our spin, in, our spin now is, is going down a bit because we are not getting wickets that turn that much in domestic cricket anymore. Uh, so, there, are, there is a flip side to that as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a happy medium to be found. Now... This is something I want to know as well, because you come from a cricketing dynasty. You're, you're from a family of cricket players where your father played for India. You played for India. And now we've got Terence. He's only a year old and I'm not putting pressure on the little boy. But sometime in the future, is this the big thing in India? Would you, like, would you love to sort of go through what your father went through and be able to watch your son don the pads, don the star of India? I would love to see him play test cricket for India. I'll be honest. Um, it, it would be it would be something special. I mean, to have three generations uh, to go on to play test cricket, or even for for your country, is going to be something special. I mean, I, I wish he does like cricket first and foremost. Uh, like my dad never ever pushed me to go and play cricket. I, I actually like enjoyed hockey more than than cricket when I was growing up. Uh, but I just think um, it's just a lot. It was a lot easier on my body at that time, hockey. And obviously, when you have when you have uh, a dad like that, you grew up watching a lot of cricket as well. I was taken to a lot of stadiums uh, where dad was practicing or was at his you know end of his career. So obviously, being in a family, I mean, I don't think he will be able to watch me play because I don't know how long I'm going to be playing. But uh, I would definitely encourage him to play the sport for sure. I tell you what, he's got a very good eye there because my auntie just walked up to do something and his eyes followed him sharply. He's going to be a batsman without a doubt, that little boy. He's certainly got, he's certainly got the fire in his belly because he's, he, he won't sit still and he loves the fact mummy and daddy are working to, together today. My auntie, how would that be for you thinking that you could have a superstar in the ranks? Uh, do you think you'd still be as calm and cool and professional as, as a presenter if it was your son playing rather than your husband? I'm not going to be presenting then, okay, for sure. He's, he's 10 months old. I mean, unless he, I don't know if he... <laughs> yeah, but you're the best in the game. You'll keep going as long as yeah. you want. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing, she's going to be his coach for sure. Yeah, Because when I was mom, growing up, yeah. my mum used to coach me, not my dad. She used to say, you're doing this right, you're doing that wrong. And, and she still, had no she idea about me. Uh, so my dad used to sit there and smile. So I, I bet she's going to do that to him as well. But no, no, it's funny, why not? Look, we like, like Stu said, we will, of course, expose him to everything. And we will both expose him to sports and cricket in particular because he's going to watch daddy's games. He's going to watch all those things. It's a huge part of our life. Uh, but yeah, people are already like, oh, must he's 10 months old. And people are like, oh, he must be third generation test cricketer. If he wants to do it, it would be amazing but uh, if I wasn't as nervous when Stu was playing I, I really do think I'll be a wreck when if, if he decides to pick up <laughs> but were you really nervous when I played no I wasn't, wasn't. I wasn't I wasn't that nervous uh, I still am not as nervous you know you you feel a lot of emotions and things like that because you see these special milestones and you can be part of that but I'm not nervous because he knows his game right I don't have that sort of like oh god I can't watch or there, there are a lot of 
there are a lot of partners who are like, I can't watch them get out or I can't do this. I'm, I'm okay with that. It's like, it's, it's okay. It's part of the game. Well, I could say, I could give you my experience as a parent of a youngster who I would love nothing more than if Wilfred, my 10-year-old, um, went on to be a test cricketer. Firstly, because I was a cricket player myself, I feel the pressure not to lead, push him into anything. So I take a back seat, which has backfired because he doesn't want to be a spin ball. He wants to be a wicketkeeper. I mean, what the hell? A wicketkeeper? For goodness sake. I've told him that wicketkeepers are all weird and smelly and sit in the corner of the chain room, but he won't listen to me. Then he wanted to be a fast bowler. I said, look, his favourite cricketer at the moment is Daddy because I bought... Well, I didn't buy him because Gunnar Moore gave me some wicket-keeping gloves. So he thinks I'm a hero at the minute. Cricket-wise, I tried to coach him spin bowling for years and he didn't want to know. I came home one day and he'd had YouTube on the computer and was watching Uncle Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson, bowl and said, Daddy, I've learned how to bowl and taught himself by watching Jimmy Anderson. I said, for goodness sake, I could have told you all this years ago. So... All I'll say is just prepare yourself to be let down time after time because, <laughs> because it's horrific. I went to watch him play the other day. Oh, dear. They play this lovely form of cricket in England where you start on 200 runs and you bat in pairs. And if you lose a wicket, you lose eight runs or six runs. But you don't go out. You carry on for four overs. And they were winning. He went out to bat and he crunched a square drive for one and crunched another one. I thought, he's on it today. And then he got bowled. And it took the score behind and then his mate got out and it was just like the domino effect. Oh. And I watched this game run away from him and I couldn't, I was helpless. I couldn't do anything. I felt dreadful. So yes, you are going to, you are going to be in a situation one day where you just, you look on helplessly from the boundary. Um, but I found I got fish and chips and it got me over it. So maybe that's the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but what if what if your son does actually want to go through the professional ranks and you know because it's going to be harder for their generation right Swanee like we've kind of faced it with social media now where his father's generation didn't have to face it and I, I think it'll just be a different ball game by the time they're a lot older or even younger they're going to face it at a much younger age yeah you know what I was thinking about this the other night because I was at Trent Bridge and Peter Moores is the coach at Trent Bridge and his son Tom Moores who was only five or six years old when I was playing, first played for England. And he used to come on tour and I'd give him throwdowns. And he's now playing professional cricket for Nottinghamshire. And his mum was talking, saying, like, the opportunities at his door now, at his feet, and, and all the things that have opened up to him that Peter never had, that, that, you know, me, I never had, are incredible. But he's taken it all completely in his stride. And I think that's what we forget, isn't it? That you think it's going to be hard for your kids and you worry that your kids won't be able to do this and that at the end of the day um you know we've all been in that situation especially as a teenage boy and Stuart did definitely back me up here you think you know better than everyone anyway and no matter what people tell you you're sort of inside you go I'm going to do it my way I'm going to be strong I'm a professional so I'm sure that they'll all take care of themselves I don't know if you think the same I, I agree with you Sonny things change so fast in cricket as well uh, from the time when I started to play the IPL to where it is now, you can see the difference in standards as well. And even the young guys coming in, they, they, don't, they don't take five, six seasons to do well. It's because they come in with, with that mindset as well. So, for me to see some of the guys come in like in a year and already feel comfortable in that first couple of games, it shows that our, our circuits, our domestic circuits are also great because we put put under pressure straight away. And... 
things were going to change day in day out with social media. When I first came in, there was nothing. I mean, there was a little bit of Instagram and Twitter, say a few things about you here and there. But now you can't even breathe sometimes without people saying stuff about you. And and for, for some of the young guys, I, I think they feed off stuff like that. Um, they, they want to be in the news uh, in order to do well or in order to kind of give them that kick to, 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 to perform or to do well. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Social media can work uh, well for you, I guess. Do you find it as amazing as I do that this social media sort of phenomenon? Um, that I, I remember 2009, Jimmy Anderson and I just started Twitter as a race to see who could get the most uh, followers by the end of the ashes. And we would just put silly jokes on. We had no idea at that point. And that's not that long ago. That's what, 12 years ago. But at that point, it was just sort of uh, something that people would turn their noses up. But now people make careers out of launching themselves and doing this and that. Um, yeah. And you saw during the lockdown, people like David Warner using that almost as an income stream, making it like building your brand, so to speak. So it is a strange new world we live in. I'm sure Terence will be fine. By the time he's 15, 16, honestly, there'll be something new. There'll be spaceships or something like that. We'll be playing cricket on the moon by then, so... You're asking the wrong person about social media because I think Twitter actually reached out to him like six times to say, are you still uh, active? Are, are you alive? Because he's not tweeted something <laughs> in four years. And Instagram, I'm like, can you please put out something, you know, just just to let people know. Because I get it on social media. So like if people want to abuse to it, they abuse me, which is, you know, because they can only reach out to me. But if they want to actually genuinely talk to him, they're like, you know, What's up with stories? Because people think that if they don't see you on social media, you're not doing anything, you know. And he's still playing domestic cricket. He's been playing 18 years now, uh, Swanee, and still going. So uh, people are like, what's up with him? Is he okay? Is everything fine? We don't see him around. I'm like, yeah, he's fine. Because that's the assumption. If you're not posting on social media, then you're not in and about and around, you know. And well, is everything I'm okay between you guys? <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Manti, because I was about to say, what's up with Stuart Binney? I haven't heard from him for years. I mean, I keep posting on Instagram, but he doesn't talk back to me. I mean, is he still playing? I mean, what's going on? Um, are you, how long do you think you've got? Are we got, still, still married? Because, oh, my yeah. God, no oh, one's heard that. from him yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, Stuart, I mean, you're, you are still playing, Stuart, and you're still going strong. How long do you think you're going to keep playing for, just as long as it means you don't have to feed Terence? <laughs> uh, to be honest, I haven't really put a date to it, Sonia. I believe that um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play till when I wake up every morning. When I wake up that morning, and you know, I feel that my body can't take it anymore, and I'm dragging myself to that ground, you know, and and not happy about it, and cranky with my teammates, and you know, really not enjoying that run around in the, when it, when you're warming up. I think that's the time I'm gonna really start to think about uh, letting it go. I mean, it's not easy, obviously. Uh, I've thought about it a lot, but uh, every time I thought about it, something in me hadn't yet finished, you know. Um, I just felt like I still had something to prove, uh, not to other people, but to myself. Uh, since I had played uh, 19 years of domestic cricket, I, I was, I'm close to getting to 100 games in, in, a, in a few formats. So that kept, kept pushing me towards, you know, I'm not a really stat-oriented stat guy. I mean, I really don't look into too many stats when I played or even when I'm playing now but it's just that I felt that fire still hadn't left me especially uh, with the IPL I still felt that I had a few years left before um, it, it actually ended for me so uh, that I think it's just a drive that I still have and once I walk out and, and I feel like I don't have it anymore I'm just going to call it quits. 
Yeah, as someone who was forced to retire through injury, you are a yeah. long time retired. Keep going as long <laughs> as you can. I, honestly, I was watching cricket the other day. Uh, England playing New Zealand, obviously, in the build-up to the Test Championship final. New Zealand look a strong team. But I was thinking about it, thinking, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Why is he playing that shot? Why is my mate doing that? I just wanted to be there in the huddle. I wanted to be giving advice. I wanted to be playing. I wanted to be taking that catch at the drop. I would have hit that for four. Cricket becomes the easiest game on the planet once you don't actually have to perform, once you're just thinking about what you do. Trust me, that's kind of nice, but it's kind of excruciatingly annoying as well. So my advice would be just as long as you've got that drive and that ambition there, keep going, mate, as long as you can. My auntie, we've got this dare to declare section to do. I'm waiting. I'm trying really hard to ensure that Stu can't see the questions. Yes. Because so yes. this, this is strange. I never had to do an interview with someone sitting next to me. I know. Right, you, Stu, you've got to promise not to look at these questions then. Uh, I, I haven't seen them all. You know how, how, how in, in India when we used to sit and give tests and exams, okay, we used to put our hands like this so that no one can like copy. <laughs> so we have to do that. Just put my hand here so that he can't copy and see it. But yes, our Dare to Declare segment, which is brought to you by Betway. And you, you mentioned it already, Swanee. It's, of course, about the biggest thing, which is the World Test Championship final right now. You've got to... Uh, I mean, it's... I guess, Stu, could you call it, in a sense, the World Cup final of Test cricket? That's how we're seeing it. The fact that it's it's India, it's New Zealand, the fact that it's a neutral venue, you've played Test cricket in England. Uh, it's very different this time around because, you know, you've had New Zealand, which have played England already as they go into this Test match. India have not had a chance to play the county games and, you know, the kind of tour matches before. So that sort of preparation, do you think it will get you straight into the zone? Because it's a one-off Test match. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be the challenge for the guys going in now. Plus, they've not played too much test cricket in the last six months, you know. So, I, I, I honestly feel that it is going to be it's going to be a bit of a challenge. It's going to be a bit alien for them going into this test match because, uh, look, how much ever you practice in the nets, test match is completely different. It's just the atmosphere, the pressure uh, that is that is in that stadium, in that ground, in that in in that pitch that you feel at that at that point. So, I, I think it's going to be a huge challenge for India because coming back. To New Zealand, they've been there for a while. They, they you know, they they breathing easily right now with that win, and and the confidence is there with the, with that setup. I think uh, India are going to definitely feel it, and and they're going to try and get in early into that game because that's uh, that's that's the way I think the Test match is going to go. The, the team that gets into that game early is going to kind of run away with that Test match. You did remember Ross Taylor who joined us in uh, our previous episode because we asked him, Swanee, whether it's going to be all about swing and seam. That's what you expect in English conditions. Uh, you've got Rohit Sharma and Shubman Gill for India who will most likely be opening. And uh, there isn't much experience in England, especially for Shubman Gill. So how, how do you counter that? How do you counter the conditions uh, if you haven't already been there before? And uh, if you have masters of swing and seam in your opposition camp? I think what he's got to do is is just back himself and, and not try and change his game overnight. You're not gonna you're not gonna succeed if you go and try and play a different game in England. Yes, you've got to be a lot tighter. And I think with with the guys batting there, I don't think. See, we've got Pujara, who's obviously he knows the conditions. He's been there day in day out, and he's never gonna change his game. He, he's got to take a cue from Pujara, I guess. And 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 if his game is to score runs, I think he's just got to just hang in there for 20 minutes and then try and and play shots that is his strength. 
Swanee, do you think it's going to come down to which team's bowlers adapt better to those conditions? Because we always have a chat about India in subcontinent, they tend to play that extra batsman, you know, but you might want to give bigger responsibilities to Rishabh Pant, who's done well overseas, and play an extra bowler if you're looking at the Indian contingent. Is it just going to come down to the bowlers and how they adapt to those conditions, those sort of combinations? I actually think it's down to the batsman, to be honest, because in India, the bowlers, uh, in England, sorry, the bowlers will always have an opportunity to get in. And, and watching the last two test matches, the, both bowlers, uh, both bowling units and both teams had opportunities to get back in the game. So even if the ball doesn't do anything seemingly for 20, 30 overs, it's always moving a little bit in England. It's always doing enough that if you get a wicket, the new man is it's a completely different game when the new man walks in. And what we saw when England played New Zealand is the wickets can be really flat and the outfields are rapid and it looks great for batting. Um, a team gets to sort of 280, 290 for one, two or three wickets and you think they'll get five, 600 like you would in India or Australia. But then they're bowled out for 350. So England got 300 in the first innings of the last test match. New Zealand only got a lead of about 75. All of a sudden, the bowlers in the second innings, by doing nothing different whatsoever, they just put the ball in the same areas. The batsmen, because they were a bit tired, they'd had their first innings, they'd fielded, and they weren't quite as switched on. All of a sudden, six, seven down. England barely got a lead, so bowled out for 140 in the second innings. That, to me, being as those batsmen in a one-off game, you have to say to yourself, right, I don't care how long I have to field, how flat the wicket I think it is, I am going to be on it like a car bonnet for the entire game. Because if I take my mind off it, if I think things are getting easier, if I think this is a draw wicket, we'll fall like cards. Because I think both bowling units are going to be exceptionally good on the, uh, down in Southampton. I think it's been hot and sunny, but there's a bit of moisture around now. So the ball will swing a bit. It's the batting team who can... Who can stay switched on for the longest is going to win that test match. So who has the advantage then if it comes down to the batting team? Let's put Stuart in the spot. I think New Zealand have the advantage at this point of time since they've already been there for a while. Uh, they've, they've got some runs under their belt and spent some time out in the middle. So I would say New Zealand at this point. Yeah, I agree because of those two test matches. On paper, man for man, India of course, uh, but momentum and all sorts pay are massive things so it's intriguing honestly I can't wait for this game to have a neutral game played in my country and it's a world final and it's India and New Zealand I think it's brilliant I can't wait no we can't wait either I mean New Zealand in a world final in England I mean you know it's going to be an awesome game just go <laughs> even, just even knowing Virat Kohli and playing under his captaincy I think he's, he's going to try and if he wins that toss he's going to try and bat uh, it's just that he likes to put, uh, you know, show his power at that point of time that, you know, we're not afraid to bat. I think he's going to do that. And, and, and just seeing the way uh, the build-up has gone in the nets and, and stuff like that, they're, they're preparing themselves to bat first and bat once and bat well. Well, if you can bat once in England, you win the game. If it's one beginning, you'll win a game. As you mentioned, Swanee, we're all, as cricket fans, as you know, test cricket fans, we're intrigued by it, uh, about what's going to happen in this World Test Championship final. But, uh, okay, I'm going to have to put my hand in the middle here, just so that Stuart, Stuart, look that way. Look that way. Close your eyes, actually. That'd be better. (laughs) 
let's try and get let's put Stu on the spot and try and get you know the first reactions that come to your mind when we speak about this. All right, so Stu, who this is a hot topic. We have to speak about this. Uh, who's the best young player in India right now? Shubman Gill. Okay, who is going to score the most? Since we're talking about batsmen, who is going to score the most number of runs in the WTC final? Rohit Sharma. Hmm. Who is? I love this question. Whoever whoever came up with this, who is the best captain that Stuart has played under? Across formats, across IPL, across India, you've played under a lot of international captains as well. Who's the best captain you played under, and why? I think I would say Virat Kohli was was right up there for me since he always took that game head on. You know, it's it's MS Dhoni was. Was a very different captain. He he captain style was a lot different. Where Virat Kohli gave us opportunities and said, you know, take a risk. And I think that's why I would say Virat Kohli. Okay. If you well, technically this is not fair, Swani, because I know that if you didn't play cricket, you would play hockey. But if you could be another sports person, who would it be? And it could be male or female. You know, Roger Federer. Really? You like Roger Federer? I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm with him on that one because I tell you what that beautiful 100 backhand of Roger Federer's that is worth that is poetry that is sporting poetry in motion that backhand wow after how many years have you been married almost one ten now after almost ten years of married I learned that you like Roger Federer <laughs> all right um your favorite ground to play at or your favorite memory at a ground. I think my favorite ground would be the Chinnaswamy, obviously, because it's my home ground, and and very few players have gone on to play a Test match in front of their family and loved ones. So uh, I think it would be the Chinnaswamy. But having said that, I think I've got a lot of special memories at the Lords Cricket Ground because of my father having won the World Cup at that venue, and I actually sat in the same seat that he sat in when he won that World Cup. So I have got a, some great memories in that ground. And you won that Test match. And we won that yeah. Test match after 25 years, yes. Mm-hmm. Which my dad played in the last time we won. So <laughs> some good memories. Who knew you'd be getting a history lesson as well when you tune in and call the binnies? <laughs> we're throwing the senti at you. We're throwing the senti at you. Um, well, I, I know the answer to this. I know that your hero growing up was Roger Binney, your father. But if I can ask you, uh, forget the fact that he was your father. What did you admire him in him the most as a cricketer? I think it's just his work ethic was something that when growing up as a kid. Um, in his era, there wasn't much training. Guys just walk, ran one round, you know, swung their arms a bit. But I think Dad uh, was always into a lot of sport. He he did a lot of running. You know, he he. I saw him do stuff which I I never saw other players do, and I guess that's why it showed in his game and and him being a sports person from the time he was a kid. I mean, he used to throw javelin. Uh, he was a javelin thrower uh, in school, and that's why he's got that weird action uh, with his legs going, you know, complete opposite directions. So I think just growing up watching dad and his work ethic to sport, and not only sport, even with his golf right now, he he sits and practices hours and hours. I mean, it's just for for fun right now his golf, but he's just got that drive in him. Yeah, and that's one thing you also have. You work really hard. Yeah, I think that's one thing I learned very really early from him that it was. It's important to have talent, but talent will only take you to a certain place. You've got to work hard as well if you want to enhance that. 
Stu spent two years at RCB as well. We all know that. So you were part of that final in uh, 2016. Don't want to remind you that you lost the final, but sorry, you guys did. But Stu, will this be the year that RCB finally win the elusive IPL? Look, they were looking really good till till things had to end. Um, I really felt that they found a balance again, even with that that team that I played with. It was more about balance that got us to that final rather than superstars at that point of time. Because we had, at that point, we had three guys from Bangalore who knew conditions and were playing that in that 11 at that point of time. And now RCB again with David Padikal at the top of the batting order, again knows his 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 game, he knows how to complement someone. I think that's that's important and I, I felt that this time they had a really balanced team and I was, I was wishing that they would go all the way. So can they? They were like... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Got it, <laughs> got it. And finally, I'm going to tweak this question a little bit because uh, this is one of the biggest raging debates that we always have, Swanee, when you talk about modern masters and the big four, uh, which obviously you've got Virat Kohli, Steve Smith, Joe Root and uh, Barbara Azam. So amongst these four right now, who is your favorite? Who do you think? Forget the rankings. Who's rocking it? I think Barbara Azam is, is someone who's actually really played some tremendous cricket in the last mm. three years. I think he's developed as a cricketer, not only coming from the subcontinent, the wickets are even flatter in the UAE where they normally practice and play, but he's also gone abroad and has the technique to play pace and bounce. And I think Babar has really been the person to watch in the last three years. Have I trained him well, Swanee? Honestly, incredibly well trained. It's, you should be a guru. You should be like a, a media guru. I know you are anyway. I mean, you're a presenting guru anyway. May I just say this actually, Stuart? In case you're ever wondering how good Manti is, I'm sure you know. But I'm going to tell you that the first time I ever went to broadcast, an outside broadcast in the IPL was at Delhi. And this game was just about to, you know, the, the warm-up was just about to start. And I was on the outfield next to Manti. And just as we're about to go on air, like you've got your little earpiece and you can hear everything. You think this is swimming. The music started in the stand. And I think Virat Kohli came out to warm up because RCB were playing. And the noise in the ground was ridiculous. And it went from ridiculous to super ridiculous straight away and never came down. The noise never stopped. I couldn't hear a thing. I couldn't see the TV because the sunlight was shining on it. And whoever else was with me there, Ravi Shastri or whoever, we couldn't hear a thing. We didn't know what we were doing. My auntie somehow took us through the entire pre-match programme without being able to hear herself, without missing a beat. If I've, I've, I've seen Sachin Tendulkar get 100 in Chennai to win a test. I've seen Shane Warne to 8 for. I've never seen a performance like that. So just never forget, she is the greatest sportswoman on the planet. That woman right there. What is your... Oh, God, that is really sweet of you. But I have to say, it's because, uh, it's because of you guys. Because my big secret here is that when you can't hear anything, you can't see anything. I just direct and produce the show as I feel. <laughs> now, Swanee, thank you for that because we've really had uh, we've had some a lot of fun together, and you know, broadcast live broadcast in stadiums is a different game, and I always enjoy it. Uh, you know, when it's professionals like yourself and like if Stu gets into it because it's a different experience for you. You know, you, you guys know how to focus in a different manner and you know how to tune up the noise. And um, so it's really interesting to watch you as professional cricketers enter into the phase of broadcast with all these other things that are thrown at you. I'll tell you what's interesting as well is you go from a dressing room where you feel completely at ease with your role and what you do 
And, and even a nervous player will know that he's got a lot of skill to fall back on. When you get into broadcasting, you feel like a fish out of water immediately. And that day, honestly, I, rem- I remember that day at the Coltler like the, like the biggest day of my life because <laughs> I was petrified. I was like a little boy, first day at school with knobbly knees banging together because his mum's gone home. I was awful. Oh, God, no, it was a lot of fun. Good memories. Can't wait for the day that that actually uh, resumes and uh, maybe we'll throw a stew amongst the wolves uh, because I'd like to see him uh, in this world of broadcast as well. (laughs) I'm not looking forward to that, trust me, because whenever I go and visit her and she's in the studios, I look at her and I'm like, I can't believe she can actually do stuff like this. There's cameras all over the place. She's listening to someone, she sometimes doesn't even listen to the expert what he's saying because she's got to go on cue with the next one. And I was just sitting there and thinking, you know, I don't think this is for me. I think I'm just going to try and push my career for another two, three years. <laughs> so I went back to the hotel and ran, started running the trip. <laughs> because I said, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> I said, let me try and stay fit again for the next two years. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Well, you're both absolutely top of your games. And I'm going to thank you now, Stuart, because getting you on as guest is something that I wanted to do from the start of this. And I never thought Manti had agreed to it. So well done, Manti, for doing it. This was unbelievable. Thank you for letting me take the reins as well. Because this wouldn't have worked. This wouldn't have worked because you can't ask your husband deepest, darkest secrets, you know, um, and, and get honest answers. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was uh, allowed to take the reins. So well done to both of you. Well done to Terence again, who's, who's without a doubt a star of this show. This podcast would be nothing without T-Bone, T-Boy. Without a doubt, the, the boss of the household as well. You know, everything works on Terence times. But no, thanks so much for uh, all of you for listening into the Players' Lounge podcast. Uh, you know that you can always listen in to subscribe to our channel and uh, you'll get the link for our podcasts uh, when you do. And of course, big thanks to Betway for helping us come up with segments that tend to put our cricketers, in this case, my husband, on the spot. Absolutely. Swani, thank you. Uh, absolute uh, legend that you are for being able to get uh, Stu to actually smile in front of the camera because it's taken... <laughs> <laughs> four or five years for him to be comfortable enough to do things like this so thank you you're, you're a true champ for doing that no thank you both I've had a lot of fun Sony I mean I grew up as well watching you play and, and it's nice to be sitting and chatting and, and having a few light moments top man anytime When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 